Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young, a podcast where we will hear stories from nurses just like you that will validate, educate, and inspire you. I'm your host, Beth Quass. Today we have Mary Buffington, who is a nurse that hit complete burnout. After working in a chaotic oncology clinic and not being supported by her leaders, she chose to leave that toxic environment and focus on herself. Through that time, she returned to school, got her master's in leadership and management, hired a life coach, and took a new position as a nurse navigator. She also started a business called the Burnout Ward to show nurses how to prevent getting to where she was in terms of burnout. Mary believes that we can create what we want our best lives to be. Please welcome Mary Buffington to the show. Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am just great. Um, I'm so excited to have you here. I only talked to Mary for a short time, but in that time, I was so excited to have her on this podcast. You have a great story to share. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your nursing journey? Oh, goodness. I've reached that point where I don't, it takes me a second. It's like about 16, 17 years. No, since 2006. How about I say that? (laughs) And Since that time, I have worked in different environments. Most of that has been oncology, but sort of what brings me to my journey now as a burnout coach is actually started in 2014 when I was working in a high volume clinic where it was a very stressful environment. There were some toxic elements to it with the administrators and the physicians, which ultimately led to me realizing that if I did not leave this job, I was going to have a mental breakdown. I was having panic attacks every about like once or twice every week. I was exhausted. I really had nothing left. I was completely, there's like you're on fumes. And then I was on the other side of like, you're burning like the leftover gas on the side of the container. I'm sure many people can understand that. Yeah, for sure. So it took me about three years after that point to really sort of get recalibrated back in my career. I spent a lot of that time. Just I worked per diem jobs I because I didn't want to be stuck in any environment where I could potentially be hurt because I was really in a lot of ways still on edge. I felt like I needed to protect myself. But about three years ago, I got connected with a life coach and she helped me turn around my life completely. And from that experience, that led to me becoming a burnout coach for nurses. That's amazing. When you were in that toxic environment, did you feel any support from the leadership around you or your peers? So I feel like it was a lot of commiseration with my peers where we were all very frustrated. I remember so many evenings like helping some of the nurses to get out of there. I would actually, one of the the nurses I worked with, she was very slow with the computer. I was actually like, just tell me what you did and I'll type it in for you so you can get out of here. And so it was like that commiseration. But then there was a level that the leadership I felt was really disconnected from the floor. Some of the advice they gave us on how to handle situations. If I'm sorry, but I'm a professional. I can't believe you're telling me to tell a physician that I'm just scared when they're doing something that can endanger a patient or when you're like, when this physician's being a completely inappropriate or unprofessional in front of a clinic. And so that disconnect, like the leadership, I think they were trying to do the best they could with the situation, but in a lot of ways, it wasn't enough. And what ended up happening was a huge turnover in nurses. And to the sense, I've never seen anything quite like it anywhere else, or even before that point. As far as the number of turnover? 
Yeah, there was like, we were an outpatient clinic and outpatient is supposed to be the place where you go after the hospital to have a little bit easier, not work holidays, not work weekends, not work overtime, not like have a code at the end of the shift and feel like you're stuck there for three hours. Like you're there to get in, get out and move on. And it was not like that in this clinic. It was very chaotic often. That'll be great for other clinic nurses to hear because I think that is our perception in nursing that that is where you go to slow down or it's not as chaotic or busy. And that was not your experience. I will say I've worked in three different outpatient clinics and this is the only one that I've seen it be like this environment. Yeah, like I think that's probably was one of the hardest parts was this was supposed to be the place where things I had just it was my first job after working travel nursing. This was moving into something a little bit more easier. And, you know, I've done I had done outpatient before. I really liked it. But this was at the point where in California, they do not actually um, mandate ratios in outpatient settings. So you, they can't say, well, you should just have seven chemo. You should only have like six people getting chemotherapies. And so there's no limitations. And there are days I'd have nine chemos. That's that's unbelievable. <laughs> Absolutely. And each yeah. of those patients needs your attention at some point. Yeah. It deserves like, our attention. Yeah. Chemo is not like anything else. Like you have to be really on top of things. Things go really bad, really quick. And so you, it's not like, like it can be just fine. Usually like it's pretty chill, but reactions happen. Like you have to be on top of everything and make sure you're not missing anything. Absolutely. Do you have any specific um, examples of how bullying or um, nurses eating their young affected you? Um, hmm, that's a very good question. So I do have to say when I started out as a nurse, I was very blessed to work with in departments that had senior nurses in the sense of they had been nursing and they were sort of wrapping up their final years. And there's a level that I definitely got chewed on by a few of them, but it wasn't like in a way that was malicious. It was in a way like they expected me to do better and they held me to a standard. And there was one named Sarge. Um, she was a night shift nurse I usually reported to and she always was like, well, did you do this? Do you do that? And a lot of people could probably view that as chewing on, but in a lot of ways, I think it sort of thickened my skin. So I have to admit, like, I have not really had a sense of bullying. I've definitely seen where nurses have um, sort of gone into those gone into those places. But I think, and I'll be honest with you, like, I think there's been times where I have gone into those places as well. To be the bullier? Yeah. To be the bully? Yeah. Like, I think especially after burnout, I think there is a huge correlation with bullying behavior and burnout. Um, and I'm going to share a story because I'm a human and I did a human, I was, I, I do human things a lot. <laughs> and one of my stories I share with people is after I was recovering from my burnout, I was on edge because I was waiting for someone like a physician or somebody just to come yell at me or something bad, like someone to really be obnoxious and yell at me. So I was always on edge and like the defensive, like I needed to protect myself. And there was one day I was doing, putting orders in Epic, which is so fun if you've never done that. <laughs> I was just sitting there typing. I was getting so angry because I something wasn't in that the doctor needed to put in. And I was just sitting there like, 
trying to breathe, trying to be calm. And this new nurse came by and she's like, hi, my name's so-and-so and I'm new. It's nice to meet you. But I was so, I like had this rage in me where I'm like, I can't interact with you right now because I'm just so stinking angry. So I just sat there and ignored her. Right. And there was no reason for me to act like that, except that I was angry at this computer system. And she didn't deserve that. I'm going to be very honest. She didn't deserve that. And I don't think I ever apologize for it either. So if she's listening, I apologize now. But I mean, like there's a level of when you reach that place and you're just getting to this fight flight response where you're trying to protect yourself. Like what's the beat? What's driving the behavior? And I know I've had those same reactions. I'm so frustrated or angry or whatever it is. And I have taken it out on other people. And that's true. They don't deserve it. You said it, we're all human. And I think, um, especially in this day and age of the stress that we are under, uh, it's it's understandable, maybe not acceptable, but understandable. And that's what we're here for, is to bring up these stories and hopefully start to change our culture and support each other better and let administration know what we need as a profession, because I don't think they understand. I think they think they do. But I think we need to tell more stories. Definitely. And you bring up a good point about administration. It's all for a lot of the ministers are making decisions. A lot of them have not been in the clinical setting necessarily. Now, there are ones that have, and you can definitely tell a little bit of the difference between those administrators and their styles. But it's almost like they speak a completely different language because they have a business language they speak. And of course, businesses are and organizations are businesses. We cannot take the business out of healthcare because at the end of the day, that's how we get our paychecks. (laughs) There's no way around it. Unfortunately, I wish there was, but nurses are not taught how to speak to leaders. The only way they learn is if they are grown by a leader and then taken under the wing and have that mentorship, or they get into that position or they go and get a degree to be able to speak the same language. And it's unfortunate. Like, I think it should be taught in nursing school. I 100% agree. I was in a leadership role, and you do get sucked into a different way of thinking, a different language, and you it's hard to connect with your clinical peers that are doing the job. And so that was part of my burnout, is needing to move back into the space where I felt like I was giving what I could give. Um, and you make a great point about where do we learn that from? I didn't have a mentor to teach me how to lead. And so it was um, a lot of learning as well as trying to lead at the same time. And it's very difficult. So I I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, when I see a lot of administrators, because you have, you, as you said, like you have to learn a whole entire new way of being. And a lot of times I've seen this with a couple of the managers that I've helped with their burnout where they're trying to manage things as a nurse, as a floor, as like a nurse, where it's like, how can I handle this? How can I pitch in? How can I give as much to this? As opposed to seeing what can they share with their team and what things can they make easier? Like, for instance, a great example is managing the schedule. There is somebody on your floor that probably would love to help organize that schedule and keep it all organized. 
Absolutely. There's, there's probably more than one. There's probably a couple. And people want those opportunities to sort of contribute. But I've seen managers where they try to manage all these things. And there's a level of you've got to give it away a little bit or else you're going to burn yourself out. And in nursing school, they don't teach us how to really, we talk about delegation, but I have to say, like, I didn't feel like a really strong delegator when I started. Like, I felt really awkward. I felt like I was supposed to be humble with wiping people's butts. But like, this was sort of pushed into my brain, like, this is how you're supposed to be. And so I'm like, no, I need to keep doing more and more and more versus seeing like what things can I sort of share task-wise. So that way I'm not sitting there like juggling things that maybe somebody else could help me with. So you are also doing a lot with teaching and trying to move our culture in a more positive direction too. Can you talk a little bit more about what you're doing now? So the purpose of the burnout ward is to really help nurses become empowered and not let burnout be like the complete definer of their career. I will admit like 2014 was 2014, 2015 and 20 and like parts of 2016 were some of the hardest years of my life. Because I was so lost. I was so burnt. Like my burnout basically burned not just through my career, but it burnt through my personal life. Like there's a level of I let my health go. I let different parts of me go. And I was trying to make things better. And things weren't getting better because I basically had this part of me that was so resentful, had so much rage. It was bitter resentful. Like my burnout wasn't like a pretty sweet burnout. It was just like, like one of these nasty forest fires that we've had out here in California and in Colorado this past summer. Like it it was, it didn't just stay nice and pretty, or I shouldn't say nice and pretty. It didn't say local. It basically had a lot of ramifications across my life. Yeah. So for my nurses, like I never want a nurse to go through what I went through, where it's just like, you are trying your best and you basically don't believe that you are good enough and you don't believe things will ever get better. And then you're, there's a level you're also fueled through by your rage and your burnout. And you don't make the best decisions when your burnout's the one that's driving the bus. So what are you doing with people when you're finding, are you meeting in groups? Are you doing one-on-one? Yeah, right now I'm, I am doing one-on-one sessions with my clients because we're really sort of working with them on their individual needs and helping to identify what they need. And what I like about that is Right now, this is really allowing people to really sort of figure out what's right for them and helping them to develop the resiliency. Ultimately, I'll probably be doing some more groups, but at this time, it's really beautiful to be able to see these big transformations happen for my one-on-one clients. And you've also got your master's degree in leadership. Is that right? I did. So that was also, so that I have to say like my burnout bus, um, I, that's what we're going to call it now, like the burnout bus for me was an interesting ride because I was doing anything to just feel better at that point in my life. And basically I was working all these different jobs and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't even ever want to be nursing. And my boyfriend now husband at the time was like, well, why don't you go back to school and we can start figure some things out. And I mean, like you, I knew I didn't want to go back to inpatient. Like those days I was done. That was not an option. And so he, I basically started school then. Originally, I started focusing in education, but instead I shifted my focus to leadership and management because for me, this felt like the missing link in my education process and what I needed. Like, I didn't really understand why organizations made the decisions they decided to make. 
And they don't, I mean, like, this is one of my big, like, frustration points and something that I bring to my clients. Like, as I said, we speak two different languages and nurses are taught their values in giving and, like, caretaking. And the problem with that is nurses have so much more value than just caretaking. Nurses are the ones that reform hospitals, not the doctors, the nurses. (laughs) And nurses used to run hospitals everywhere. Like, it was the nurses and the physicians that ran the hospitals. And now, of course, that has shifted over time. And I don't think that it's a bad shift. I think it's just a shift. Like, I don't have an emotion. I don't have, like, a moral judgment on it. But I want to see more nurses going into roles like the CEO roles. I want nurses becoming vice presidents. I want nurses becoming politicians. I want nurses everywhere. And we are everywhere. We just need to take over those roles. Exactly. There's a million of us. Absolutely. There's a lot of us. (laughs) We're everywhere. And, you know, that's the other part of my reason for wanting to start this podcast is to get us all on the same page. We can be such a strong group when we come together and work towards the same goals. And and I love the goals that you are setting before us. Let's lead. It's time for us to lead. We're great leaders. Nurses are the most trusted profession for a reason. People believe in us more than they believe in their doctors. I let that, I want that to sink in for everyone listening to this podcast. Nurses are more respected and trusted than their physicians, than the physicians. And I'm not, I have to say, I love my physicians. I, and I'm not going to talk smack about physicians, but at the same time, there's a reason for that is because we are there for the patient and we can look at the big picture. And we need to stop playing small as a, as an organization. We need to stop sort of making these like boxes of what nursing can be. Cause there's a level of, there's this stereotype around who gets to move up, who gets to be what in nursing. And I'm sort of over that personally, I'm sort of at this point where I want to see different leadership types. I want to see different personality types coming up. I want to see us embracing all of our, all, all of our uniqueness, if you will, as a profession and how good we are at helping people. Like we're very good at that. Yes, we are. And I do believe we're called to do this work. I, I don't think it is for, it's not for everyone. And so for those that get through school and get out and get a job, I feel terrible for the people that I hear asking questions. I don't, you know, is nursing right for me? Do I truly belong here? Do I want to... And that, I think, is the beginning of when we need to start questioning burnout. Yeah. Well, I think there's a level of, if for anyone that feels like a misfit, because I'm like the ultimate misfit nurse. Like, I am legit. Like, I talk a lot. I have a lot of opinions. I am like the person that's in the meeting asking all the questions because I want to know what's going on. I am the person that basically, you know... I want to have these conversations with people, like the hard conversations. I want to talk about like the social justice pieces that are a reality as a nurse. Like I work as a nurse navigator right now, though in my day job, if you will. And every day I'm dealing with challenges with patients and being like, I'm supposed to try to figure this out. But there needs to be more of us in different leadership points so we can sort of figure things out. And I believe we need more nurses that are also misfits to sort of help figure things out. Do you find that because you ask questions and maybe are outspoken, do you think you're labeled a certain way? I'm pretty sure I am. And that's okay. Like, 
Good. I'm glad you say that. Good. Yeah. Because it's hard. Well, yeah. And here's the thing. Like I always look back at Florence Nightingale because she's one of my big influencers in my career. And the reason I love her is because she was an ultimate Victorian lady misfit. She's like, I'm a statistician. I don't want to get married. And I think I want to go travel to this place and help sort of fix all the infection issues and help with these hospitals and make them run better. She was a wealthy Victorian family. It's like, I don't know if she was royal, if she was in an aristocracy or not, but she was wealthy Victorian gentry level at least. So her expectations of the 1820s, 1830s, was that she would get married, have children, be nice at home, be proper at home, some level of education, of course, like read a lot, probably, maybe knit and crochet. And she's like, nope, I'm going to go solve all the problems we have on the Crimea Peninsula. I didn't even know those things. That's a good history lesson. Like we don't talk about this enough. Like she was not, you are not a Victorian ladies. If you know anything about Victorian society, it's really funny. Like they're rigid. That was a rigid society about where you're supposed to be in your little boxes and you need to stay in your box. And she was like, just like a Victorian lady. It's like, well, I don't want to do this. I'm going to go this way. You know, she's a, a pioneer. Yeah. Where would we be without her? Exactly. And we have so many more pioneers in nursing. We do. We do. I know when you were in burnout, what was the first step you took to help yourself? Well, that's a good question. So do you want to hear like my first steps that were not effective steps? <laughs> I can talk about those. because. Well, I think that's great to share so that people you know, don't waste your time on that. Well, I hear you all. I'm going to save you all a lot of money, a lot of headache. Like these are all the things I was doing to try to fix my burnout. I went to ashrams and did meditations like Osho ashrams. I did a bunch of like his dynamic meditation. And I went and hugged Ama, the hugging saint. I went to Disneyland. I started running. I did Bikram yoga. I was getting massages. I was going for cocktails after work. I was eating so that I was eating out. So that way I didn't have to cook, which is sort of like a Living in San Francisco, it's sort of a thing to do. I was traveling a lot. I even did my little version of an eat, pray, love trip. (laughs) I went to Hawaii for a few, for like four or five days and basically was riding around in my rental, singing Kelly Clarkson songs, crying about how frustrating my work situation was, taking a long walk down to the green sand beach and swimming in the water and swimming with sea turtles. And then I went to Disneyland for like three or four days. I got a puppy, like an emotional support animal on this trip. (laughs) And then was back in San Francisco. And even though it felt really good at the time, I didn't feel better inside. Like every night I would lay to bed and my my brain would just be screaming. Like I had this banshee scream in my brain, just crying and just so miserable, so sad. And so like, it was just like that painful morning wail. And just like, you're not where you're supposed to be. You're going to die, not serving a purpose. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so I was spending thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars to try to feel better. But at the end of the night, Nothing was making me feel better. My problem was, is that self-care wasn't my issue. It was the fact that I didn't really have a sense of purpose. And also, I didn't really have a sense of self-love either, where, I mean, like every day I was beating myself up for everything. I was calling myself an idiot, saying I'm not good enough. Like these were legit words in my brain 
all the time. That is no way to live. It wasn't until I got this job with like my dream company. I'm with them now. And I basically was at the point where I was just so tired of being anxious going into work. I was so sick and tired of wondering if maybe I'm going to get fired. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe a doctor's going to yell. Maybe it's all going to, I was waiting for that shoe to drop, you know? And I was just tired of it. And so I start, start listening to podcasts and actually found my first life coach that way. Really? Yeah. Like she changed. What are some of your favorite podcasts? Well, I have lots of different favorite podcasts, but, um, one of my big takeaways that I like to sort of share with people that I think was, I think like the wisdom was the most life-changing was listening to her say, like when I was getting coached with her, what if you just decide that people like you, what if you decide you're going to have a good day? And that sort of changed everything for me. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. What other advice can you share with nurses now? Tips, advice to help them heal if they're in burnout, to help prevent them to get to burnout if they're on their way, or just anyone listening? For the people that are sitting there in what I would call the pre-burnout, like there's, it's not like you just magically hit to the level of like, I need to leave this job or else it's a mental breakdown. Like it doesn't magically get there one day. There are signs. Start paying attention. Like, are you not sleeping? Are you finding yourself eating more or eating less than you normally do? Are you finding yourself talking about work when you're not at work? Like, and it's complaining and it's not actually conducive conversation. Instead, it's just like, I hate my job. These people are horrible. Nobody likes me. They're picking on me. Like, these are signs of pre-burnout because your brain's basically sort of high, like hyper-wired, if you will. And it's now viewing your work as like, there's a lion that you're going to see every day that you go to work. If you're some, so start paying attention to that and start making shifts before it keeps getting worse. And that can, there's lots of different opportunities. You can start doing your own. Like I believe mindset work is actually the most powerful thing you can do for burnout because there's different aspects influencing people and what's going on. I actually am not a big proponent for just jumping in meditation, especially if you've never been into meditation before. And here's why, like, if you're in this place of fight or flight, it's, and you're not sort of like helping while it can definitely help you get into the parasympathetic or the rest and digest. The problem is for a lot of people, you can't always meditate at work. And while it can help, you're not actually dealing with necessarily the problem that's happening. So go get help. Don't just basically sit there and suffer in silence. That's not going to work. It's not going to make things better. There's different opportunities. Go get help though. If you hit massive burnout and you've left your job and now you're sitting there like in the ashes trying to figure out what's next. Stop looking backwards for where you should go. Do not look back. And here's why. Because if you look back and try to look for where you were better where and always look backwards for your evidence of what you can have, you're limiting yourself from what you could create. You could have better than burnout before burnout. And that's what I work with my clients. Like we work on making their lives better finding their better now and not trying to be who they were before burnout because you want better. Who, who wants to go back to before if you can have 10 times better and you need to be able to believe that. Like, it's really hard to lean into this belief. I'm not going to paint it like it gets fixed overnight, but 
you have to be able to believe that there could possibly be something better than burnout and be willing to work to create it. My life is way better than before burnouts. I'm a believer already. <laughs> Just listening to you, you get me excited to do different things and think differently and, and change my mindset. <laughs> so how do we find you? How do people find you today? So if you go to burnoutward.com, you can connect with me there. And I have a wonderful tool on there because I don't know about y'all, but whenever I was in this place of burnout, what would happen for me a lot is I would go to work and I was like doing this whole ritual before going in. Like I'm like basically dousing myself with holy water, throwing salt over my shoulder, carrying crystals, all the stuff. So that way I was protecting when I was walking in the door. And so I created a tool that you can feel better in five minutes. All, and it basically walks you through an exercise. They can do any time. Like you basically got five minutes or even like you're going to the bathroom real quick. You could do it on the toilet. I won't judge, but it's completely designed. It's completely designed to help you with that. And if you're ready to basically work with me, you're just like, dude, this person can help me. Just there. You can click on the top corner. It says work with me and I'm here to help you. I think that's amazing. I am excited to see how your business grows. I'm excited to talk to you and learn from you. And um, I'm so happy for you to be on our show today. Thank you so much. This has been really awesome. Thank you, Mary, for being on the show. I loved hearing Mary's story. She is so candid and tells it like it is. Her tips for us today include pay attention to signs that you're becoming burnt out and act on that before it gets worse, and don't suffer in silence. Find someone to talk to. I hope that you were as inspired as I was in listening to Mary. She is truly walking the walk and talking the talk. And I want to thank each of you for listening today and taking the time to be with me. I hope that with each new episode, you are feeling more inspired and realize that we as nurses are moving our profession in the right direction. If you have a story to tell or want to learn more about becoming a member, please head on over to DonateYourYoung.com or find me on Facebook at DonateYourYoung. Now go do something fantastic for yourself. You will find